Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 395 on Tuesday, the 4th of May, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be hoping the government learns some basic definitions quickly. We wonder tonight, 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 if one brand will be in too deep or get a hold of my heart as they come to Europe this summer. And we find out if visiting the supermarket can be made better with a spreadsheet. It, is Europe not the final countdown for them? No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't going there with that. I just thought I'd, I'd stick with the one band. Uh, <laughs> really? Okay. Can't work out why that might have been. I'm surprised they didn't put out the same rules as somebody else did. Uh, yes, but we weren't threatened with that. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay. Should we actually get on with some news? Yes, then? let's go into new news. There's no follow-up this week, thankfully. And let's get this out the way. And that is the news that the government announced, and I'm going to use the government's own wording here, and everyone can just imagine my face reddening and my blood pressure building. But the government announced that self-driving cars could be allowed on Britain's motorways later this year, or Britain's roads, actually, is what they said, later this year. <sighs> okay, let's get a few things out the way here. First of all, they are only talking about automated lane-keeping systems. So that is not self-driving in any shape, any form, in any way at all. As backed up by Thatcham, who work for NCAP and look after this stuff from a testing point of view, and the mm -hmm. British Insurer Society said, that is not self-driving, please don't call it self-driving. <laughs> but the government itself has said that it's not self-driving, because in the Automated Electric Vehicles Act 2018 that we discussed the other week, uh, they include a list of, what they say, cars which qualify as self-driving. It was a list of zero entries. It, and it explained a number of things about self-driving, which contradicted basically what was in that. I'm sure beautifully crafted, but wildly inaccurate press release. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Automated lane keeping assist is hands off the wheel and pedals, but still paying attention. So no reading a book, no watching a film, and no filming what's going on. Added on top of that, the SMMT also made it clear and have announced several times since that press release that there are no vehicles that you can buy in this country at the moment that have automated lane keeping systems in which it will allow it to keep within the lane of a motorway without your hands on mm. the wheel or feet on the pedal up to 37 miles an hour. It's it's really what they're talking about is something that you could in, that one could engage whilst stuck in a traffic jam. Yes, that's all it's for. That that's basically it. It's keeping your car moving in a traffic jam. The thing is that the systems built into the cars just won't let you behave in this manner. Any uh, no, they probably will actually, wouldn't they? They should not let you behave in this manner. There are workarounds to enable. There that. are workarounds. If you try and cheat them, then you can cheat them. But none of the current ones should be able to, to, to do it. They they should have an absolute hissy fit, bing like mad, if not try to bring you to a controlled halt. Yes. As a result of this. Yep. So cleared that one up. Oh, uh, there was something uh, vaguely related to that, was that Bjorn Nealon, so Tesla Bjorn, although he doesn't really just deal with Teslas, on YouTube, he was driving the new BMW iX3. 
which is, you know, it's a BMW electric SUV. But he, in a, on a deserted Norwegian highway late at night, he did try to, to keep his hand off the wheel for as long as possible while fighting himself trying to grab it. And it did do a controlled brakes to try and wake you up and bring your attention to it. Uh, and then once it got down to, to about 40 miles an hour, he, he took over again because he was he wasn't going to let it go come to a complete stop despite the fact there was nobody around so it was quite interesting just seeing that and what it was trying to do mm-hmm. although you shouldn't of course do that on the public road hence me pointing out that it was norway not the m1 or anything no no you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't film yourself doing that either no i know you shouldn't film yourself doing that definitely not in the uk not in the uk that would be wrong no Mm. Right, take us on to the next bit of news. Uh, yes, next bit of news. Not quite so... Well, it's not, not great at all, really. And it's that uh, the automotive component maker Toyota Gozai, which is a subsidiary of Toyota... They are in the... Uh, they are part group, of the they? group, yes. Yes. They are looking to close its two manufa- UK manufacturing facilities, one in Swansea and one in Rotherham. Uh, currently, those facilities produce parts for Honda, Nissan and Toyota. However, they're saying that the significant reduction in key UK customer demand uh, means that they're not sustainable anymore. So they're going to be bringing the parts in from elsewhere. Imagine that significant reduction will be the closure of Honda's factory in Swindon. Yes, and whatever they did supply for Nissan. Yes, and whatever it is that that, that Nissan is is up to or or changing suppliers or something like that. Yeah, because there's new models now, isn't there? So that would Mm -hmm. make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yes, so that's going to bring with it a total of 458 people losing their jobs uh, at the moment. So, uh, so yes, it it was. I mean, at the minute, the the 458 people. uh, At a peak in 2015, there were 800 people uh, employed uh, across those two sites. So they're they're trying to they're going through a consultation process, obviously trying to support their employees as much as possible. They're saying uh, in, in the press release. So um, so yes, you know, there's the lady that uh, we follow or occasionally pick up on her threads, who's very good at the EU, UK, Japan mm-hmm. uh, businesses. She was asked about this. Was this like a sign that Toyota's going to pull out because of the connection with them? And she said. Not necessarily, even though they are in the wheelhouse of Toyota. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a few other questions. She basically said, what's happening is that the Japanese manufacturers are making decisions that they perhaps should have made a few years ago. Yeah. And now have absolutely no choice but to make. So they are they are now either relocating to Europe or are going back to Japan and shipping stuff in. Because this isn't the only, because I saw a, a story from elsewhere that this isn't uh, the only Toyota Gozai plant which is doing this. I believe some uh, the Czech Republic, yeah, uh, that's happening as as well. Despite the fact that Toyota have taken full ownership of the the former sort of uh, triplet factory, so the the one with PSA, sorry Stellantis as it is now formerly PSA. So so yes, yeah, so this is a general Toyota Gozai thing, I think, which which. That summary sounds sounds spot on. They've been struggling for a few years anyway, seriously mm-hmm. struggling as a business. And, and basically, but the, sorry, I cannot remember her name uh, or her Twitter handle. Uh, she was basically saying, 
it would be easy to read too much into these moves that is perhaps not what is actually the case. So just mm-hmm. proceed with caution if you're leaping to a conclusion. I think that's similar to the whole Ponder Swindon thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just generally. Anyway, a quick Volkswagen story. Yes, quick one here. Uh, and the news of that Herbert Dice is now removing himself from his board positions at Skoda and Seat, and that's the supervisory boards for Skoda and Seat. Apparently, he's going to be focusing on the software division and helping to get them more up to speed, as it were. And Actually working, <sighs> from what I've heard. Let's, let's not... Let's not push aim too high, shall we? Yeah. Uh, but he has made, I mean, we said I said this a month or so ago, he's been making some very bold statements considering how rocky it has been for the software division mm-hmm. to the point where they fired someone who they've brought back in another, uh, in another role since. Oh, that's never a good look. <laughs> no, at a very senior level. So uh, they, we've said this before and, and I think Dice is going to really get this lesson hammered home. Software is really hard, mm. and you are rushing it through in an astonishingly short space of time. I think they probably have already learned that lesson, Andrew. Well, when, but when you heard some of his statements, I don't believe he has. What you say in public is in these situations is very often different from what's happening behind her. He just seems to be setting themselves up for another fall is the problem for me. And I don't think they can afford to do that. I think they need to just be more realistic. Yeah, well, they could always rebrand, I suppose. That goes down well. Yeah, uh, no, nobody objects to that. No. Uh, but the, the other point uh, to come out of this is that there are senior executives in Skoda and Seat that are apparently now a bit worried that their voice won't be heard as much mm. back in Wolfsburg. I don't know how much that will happen or not. We just have to wait and see. It's one of these things. Yeah. Change isn't always bad. No. No. So, there we are. Mm-hmm. Right. Take us to the motorways. I shall take you to rugby. Thank you. Junction 1 of the M6. You, and who says you don't treat us? <laughs> I know. Well, I, I intend on going to visit this myself uh, in a few weeks' time. There is a new motorway service area. Uh, and it's been opened by Moto at Junction 1 uh, of the M6, which uh, people will remember is, is is a very long way from Junction 2 of the M6. <laughs> it's opened there. It opened uh, last week, yep. 30th of April. Uh, it has... They've invested £40 million in this. Uh, but the thing that is most notable about it, other than filling a very large gap between motorway services, to be perfectly honest, uh, is that it has an awful lot of EV charging points. It has 12 Tesla points and 12 electric highway points. Now, normally, I would have a good old dig and go, of which only three will be working at any one time, if you're lucky. But no, these are the new ones which have been developed uh, in association with GridServe. Ultra rapid. Sorry. What I say, what I mean is these are the GridServe ones. Uh, (laughs) So they are 350 kilowatt DC chargers. uh, And in theory, if the car can take it, we'll be able to add 100 miles of range in under five minutes. We'll all accept contactless payments, etc., etc., etc. 
by July this year, by the way, supposedly, they intend on having upgraded all the existing 50 kilowatt charges, charges by the end of July 2021. Uh, and all services will have at least six ultra rapid chargers by the end of 2022. Mm-hmm. So, which is good for long distance EV runs, EV driving. Um, so, yes, that's something to look forward to. There'll also be, by the way, this new rugby services, which is just off the M6 at Junction 1. We're open for sponsorship opportunities, Moto, if you are interested. <laughs> uh, then. Uh, it includes the Marks and Spencers, Greg's, Costa Coffee, KFC, Pret-a-Manger, Burger King, WH Smith, and BP. You can discuss which of those fits your particular demographic. Well, BP will be installing their polars soon then at that place, I would imagine. I Ooh, tricky one, because it's not actually on the motorway. So, so they may well be able to do it at the fuel area. We shall see. Yeah. But personally, for me, it's good to know that there's a Marks and Spencers, a Greggs, and a Pret-a-Manger. Those are the bits that interest me there. <laughs> right, I'm going to take us to Subaru. And this is a company we have vocally expressed our worry about. We have worried about their lack of registrations, stroke sales. And we have worried about a seeming lack of a plan. Uh, and a strategy but what they are doing which gives us a little bit of hope is they are opening or they have signed deals with new um, franchises so that there's four new Subaru dealers that were appointed the first part of 2021 there's going to be another 10 dealers due to join the network by the end of the summer and this will spread them across uh, a wider range so they're going to be doing things like from extra to Darlington to Penrith uh, and then across in Leicestershire. So that's good. Yes, slightly confusing given that there were some months when they registered fewer vehicles than they had dealers. Yeah, but you know why they did that? Because they'd... Because they'd pre-registered lots before. Pre-registered so many that they couldn't shift Mm -hmm. that no one was going and buying a new one anyway. Yes. So it it really was a very short-term daft... (laughs) plan yes that didn't yeah, come d- to fruition i think daft plan is 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 you being a little bit on the yes you're being very generous andrew <laughs> so I, as ever with subaru I, I really want them to be successful yeah. because i like i think their cars are interesting and i want them to exist because they're a little bit special yeah yep absolutely right talking of special though talking of special yes here's a new brand that's not going to have any dealerships and it's not from america and it's not from America. Well, it looks like it's from America. Genesis, their big announcement this morning, big streamed uh, streamed announcement. Uh, Genesis is going to launch in uh, the UK, Germany, and Switzerland during 2021. Here in the UK, uh, we're going to get the G80 Large Saloon and the GV80 Large SUV. Uh, they'll arrive in the summer. Uh, with the electrified G80 that we talked about the other week, Mm -hmm. because it was announced at the Shanghai show, the first model uh, due to reach customers. Other than that, they haven't said what powertrains will be uh, available here in the UK. Uh, After those, soon after, this is an inverted commas from this uh, autocar story from James Atwood, soon after they will be joined by a smaller G70 a junior saloon and a GV70 mid-size SUV. You can see what they're doing with the naming there. Mm. 
after that there'll be a dedicated european product within a year so that's quite an ambitious bringing in of a model lineup that's a lot of options quite quickly Yes. Uh, well, you talk about options is interesting because what they intend on doing is is selling a limited number of trim levels okay. for each of these vehicles, which will l- vastly limit the number of optional extras and options that way. Uh, so that's part of their transparent set pricing structure. They're also going to be doing the sales almost entirely online Mm -hmm. now just because it's online doesn't mean you're not actually going to have contact with a person because uh, everyone who signs up tries to buy a car will be assigned a personal assistant will be their sole point of contact throughout the whole uh, buying process and into ownership as well so you will still be able to build up that personal rapport if you really need to see a car before you buy it, which makes sense to me, then Genesis is going to open studios, they're calling them, mm-hmm. in London, Munich, and Zurich. Uh, so if you do want to buy in person, go see and poke at stuff, then uh, that'll be the way to do it. Uh, I forgot to mention, by the way, that there'll be two further Genesis-based EVs, including one based on a bespoke EV platform. Uh, will arrive within the first year of UK sales. So that's pretty, pretty serious. Yep. So lots of people are saying, using words like ZDOS and Infinity at this point. It's understandable that they are, to be fair. It's absolutely understandable. It's quite interesting. So for those of you who don't know, I did own an Infinity, which was an interesting car. It was a nice car. But one of the challenges was was to do with dealerships and because they were very lovely buildings but there weren't very many people visiting them the servicing costs were quite special uh, in certain ways i noticed that genesis by the way are doing a five-year care plan that covers servicing roadside assistance and any ota software updates and also a car subscription service Mm. if you want to to really sort of lease your genesis for a short period and those were the things which just kind of felt weird about the infinity the other thing was explaining what it was and trying not to use the word lexus so what i'll be really interested in is how they get people to understand what a genesis is and also to try and get over that sort of dealership well they seem to be getting over the dealership weirdness which is good because when you're not selling cars it's hard to get good salesmen i think as much as we've mocked tesla over many things i think they have acclimatized the public sort of that you don't need you know you can have a service center as a separate thing possibly yeah i also think that the last 14 months or so has helped acclimatize the the world to just because it's online doesn't mean it's awful yeah 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 definitely i would imagine a lot has been learned that way I find this really, really interesting. It's a story I'm I'm keen on following quite closely because, because I'm interested to see how they do it. And it's partially because I've not been I wouldn't I'd never say I was stung by the infinity at all. It it just my experience with that makes me interested to see how others will do it. Yeah. One of the things I said on, on Twitter earlier on today was was that I always feel that Hyundai, much like Toyota do two things they play the long game on stuff 
and they don't enter something they don't think they're going to succeed at. Yes, agreed. So that was what makes me trebly interested in this in a way that it's possible that Nissan doesn't didn't commit to infinity no. in the longer term in the way that I, I suspect Toyota committed to Lexus. Because if you look at when Toyota brought Lexus here first compared to how now, you know, mm. they're, they're mentioned in the same breath as other premium brands. And it's not, oh, and them. And you see that... What press card do you have arriving tomorrow, Andrew? Yes, I know that, but that's irrespective of this conversation. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm very much looking forward. I may not even sleep tonight. I'm that excited. Uh, <laughs> just please don't rain tomorrow. Um <laughs> But but my point is that they, as you say, they they played the long game, and they it, it's almost it, it's some. Sometimes I felt it's like they almost ground the public down and went, "We're not going away, we're not yeah. going away." So you you need to pay attention, you need to have a look, and I think that worked. And and I think that's a really important factor in this, and and I would imagine that Hyundai have 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 done that. I mean. Yes, like you, I am very interested to see how they execute the plan as well as the cars. I want to see what the cars are like. Yes, exactly. Right, I think we've waffled enough for the first part. I think we have. Yes, there's quite that was quite a sorry. Well, there wasn't had been too much waffle. I think we've been pretty good. Uh, but we want to take instead of guilt minute for the next few episodes, uh, then we want to do something different because we've noticed that we are approaching the 400th motoring podcast. And this is the first time we've ever actually managed to do that, <laughs> whether it be 100, 200, 250, 300. We've missed every single one. Every single time it's fallen on special edition and we've not been quite planned enough. And this time we're going to do it, guys. We're going to do a special 400th episode. We are. Special I'm very edition. excited. Special. <laughs> Obviously, big meetings in person are out at the minute, so we've had to postpone the stadium tour, cancel. Sorry, yeah, Sorry, cancel the reservations at uh, at Wembley, and so what we're going to do is we're going to live stream a recording of an episode four hundred special edition. We're going to do that on Wednesday, the nineteenth of May, at half past eight UK time. That's half past eight in the evening, so twenty thirty UK time BST uh, on Wednesday of the nineteenth of May, and everyone's going to be able to join in. Okay, it's not going to be patrons only uh, this time. So this is your first chance now to mark the calendar. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're you know you're not washing your hair or anything that evening, and you can join us uh, on Twitter. There will be uh, on Twitter. You can join us on Twitter if you want, but we probably won't be able to see them, see your comments. So join us on YouTube for that. But we'll remind you lots and lots and lots uh, between now and half past eight, uh, BST, Wednesday, the 19th of May. Yeah, we'll tease you more about what's going to be in the episode as well as we get closer to it. (laughs) I love that. As we get closer, as we work out what we're going to do. Oh, for goodness sake. Pretend. We, we just know pretend what we're going to do. They We've... know that we don't know, <laughs> but just pretend. Oh, okay, that's fine then. <laughs> right, moving quickly on. Take us to Monaco then. 
I wish that I could. But Formula E will be in Monaco this coming weekend. And the important thing to know about the Monaco E-Prix this time around is that they'll be using the full Grand Prix track configuration. So previously, they've trimmed it down and they've done a much... Or well, most of the track, about two-thirds, wasn't it? Mm. But now, now this year, they're going to do the whole... Uh, the whole thing. The only change that's going to be is at the bottom of one of the uphill stretches to enable people to carry more speed up one of the hills. They've also had to move the attack mode activation uh, area around uh, a little bit just to, to find the best spot for it. Lots of interesting things going on there. That should be good. I mean, the guys at Formula E, I would imagine everyone at Formula E is hoping for a nice, smooth race, especially in such a a high-profile location as Monaco. There's going to be a link in the show notes to an article. um, First of all, explaining what the slight changes to the track are. Yeah. But there will be a second article from Sam Smith discussing how Formula E really needs a smooth-running, non-controversial, in any way... (laughs) race weekend yeah because the last set was farcical in places and they did not help themselves in reasons that they announced why the problems were blaming one driver saying oh it's his fault because he he didn't go slow which has caused problems for team principals who've then had to fend off sponsors Mm -hmm. at a time when they're trying to encourage the sponsors to spend more money (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I, I think for the good of everyone, then then a nice, interesting, exciting, but most of all non-controversial race in Monaco would be jolly good. Yes, and fingers crossed people are not pig-headed about certain rules. Yes, quite. Exactly. But do click in the show notes for those articles because they are good. Anyway, Andrew, some new, new car news. Yes, new, new car news. And we're going to go in start with the Kia EV6. Now, that got revealed a couple of weeks ago and looked interesting, and it's sort of like the sister car to the uh, Ionic 5. Mm-hmm. However, this week, uh, Kia have announced the GT version of that, which is going to put out a whopping 576 brake horsepower with what's expected to be around about maybe just under, because of the extra power, 300 miles on a WLTP estimated range. Now, that suddenly gets everybody incredibly interested because they reckon that the 0-62 will be around 3.5 seconds as well. And this is a large vehicle, both in terms of length and height. The thing that really interests me is that it's development of this has been overseen by albert bierman so you can use your touch of bierman phrase. yes yes that's 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 which so i mean that's that's having the the guy behind some of the best and most iconic bmw m cars dealing with the handling here who's not known for compromise and stuff and more importantly the hyundai n <laughs> no well, exactly exactly <laughs> i'm sort of torn with this do we still need to go on about how sporty EVs can be? I mean, it's really impressive what they're talking about here. Is, is that? Do you think that's still needed to, from a sort of marketing, yes. get the wider public to accept it point of view? Is it just me being such a nerd, not yes. going, oh, I'm bored of that now because I've seen it so much? Hmm. Uh, 
Yes. Okay. Uh, Moving on. I think Tesla did. No, no, seriously. Uh, serious point. I think Tesla did. It's one of the things that Tesla has done fantastically well is getting is is getting the fact out there that EVs are not all do not need to be. What's the awful little thing that there was everywhere in London? The G whiz. You know the the G whiz. They don't all need to be a G whiz or a milk float, or any of these other things. They can be incredibly fast. They can be incredibly powerful. And I think that's great, because that turned a lot of people's attention to EVs and said, hey, actually, these are really interesting. These aren't milk floats. The trouble is, what it also then caused was an arms race. Yes. Uh, of of ludicrous mode and all that kind of thing, when you can't come up with anything better to do with your time, other than make the indicators make farting noises, then you introduce all of this. And, and a certain amount of that, I think a certain amount of these more expensive EVs, so uh, so this EV6 will come in at, what, what is 50. it, 41,000? Well, it, it, oh, it starts the, the, the at GT. Yeah. The GT is 58, so yeah, yeah about 60. So these ones have to say, well, actually, we are an alternative to Tesla. Look at the power we can put out, as well as all this other cool stuff that you're getting, which you may not get from from other brands. So th- they have to have a model that is that fancy. And Polestar are the same. They started off introducing the very the the, the, the super fast Polestar twos, and now they've introduced lower powered ones or, okay. uh, as well. Yeah, so, I was so, worried that I was perhaps just being because I look at this a lot. I was jaded hmm. from that, going, well, you don't need that. But most people still, even though we've got the the government has given us deadlines and manufacturers hmm. are, are, are producing more and more electric vehicles, that we still need to educate the public on what they are, what they can do, and how they can, they, how they can be good yeah. and fun. You don't need that. I don't need that. Most of our listeners don't need that. Yeah. But people who don't really know much about cars do need that. And they make up the most the the vast majority of car buyers. Well, they bought Tesla threes, haven't they? Well if they have round our way. Yeah. If the if well, yes. if my unscientific how many hold at the top of the steering wheel test goes by, in which every single Tesla I pass in this town does. I would like to point out that that is highly unscientific because it sometimes is. if you hold at the top of the wheel, when your instruments are not behind the steering wheel, then it's not really an issue, says Mark 130 Aeros driver. Right, let's move on. <laughs> Speaking of other ridiculously overpowered EVs, Volkswagen uh, unveiled the ID4 GTX the sporty flagship so it's the equivalent of the gti i assume yes it is it's meant to uh, be of yes of the of the id lineup so expect an id3 gtx at some point but yes in the id4 it they're going to be offering 295 brake horsepower which seems kind of prosaic compared to the kia and a range of 298 miles and I don't think they've announced prices yet, but it's essentially an ID4 with some sort of sportier bits. So some bits that are body coloured are now black, and some bits that were funky colours are now body coloured. And and you know, there's red stitching and leathery bits and all that kind of fun stuff. The expectation is the price will be around fifty thousand. Yes, hasn't been announced exactly. Yet. It's it's kind of funky. It's it's it's. I mean, it, it the ID4. It seems I haven't seen one in the flesh. Is a big vehicle. So yes, we we shall see. 
Yep. But that's that's kind of cool. Again, introducing slightly sportier ones or sportier looking ones, still with a 300 mile range. 300 mile range is awesome. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Imagine charging around Britain now. That's a piece of cake, mate. Four days it will be done. <laughs> it's not even no, that. It's just, just how sleep. much love. Good night's sleep is we'd what we'd have. we just actually sleep. That's, that's <laughs> what would happen. We would sleep and be significantly less stressed. Yes. Right, I'm going to take us to a car that is more recognisable to absolutely everybody, and that's the Volkswagen Golf. And this time they've announced a new short-run version of the GTI, a GTI Club Sport 45, which is now on sale as of a day or two ago, which is for sale for £39,980. That will give you 296 brake horsepower. I've called it 45 because it marks 45 years since the original GTI has been launched. They've done every five years since, what was it, 1996 or something? Probably. Probably something like that. Probably 20 20. onwards, I'd imagine. Yeah, and then they've done it every five years. So this is going to be more powerful than a... So I expect if the the monthlies could be made to work, a lot of photocopier salespeople will be ditching Uh, however many they can get hold of. There is no way that this will make it onto the lease lists uh, or onto the company car lists. They'll all be on the ID4 GTX. This looks fantastic, though. This looks like a current version of the wonderful Mark 7 T- GTI TCR that I tried a little while ago, and I had half an half a wonderful hour with it. <laughs> and it consists. I mean, this the standard has the race package which you can get with other GTI models, but it involves an Akrapovich sports exhaust system. It has a top speed of 166 miles an hour, having had the 155 mile an hour speed limiter removed. And it's got LED matrix headlamps and all sorts of things and subtle red detailing and unique to this alloy wheels. And it looks great. This looks smashing. It does. It does mm-hmm. look good. Mm-hmm. Yes, want, but not, but can't afford want very nice <laughs> yes uh, right take us to a lunchtime read then uh yes this week's lunchtime read is an excellent piece by uh murray scullion on parkers and it's called surveillance capitalism and your car and it's all about uh, how your car's keeping tabs on you what behavioral surplus your car is taking from you so what it's inferring about your behavior and also why car makers are doing it. Uh, this is a piece that has been met with an awful lot of very, I was going to say positive reaction. People have said very good things about this. It is a very good piece. It because is. it's a very good piece. It's well-researched, it's all sorts of things like that. Uh, this is a cracking piece of motoring journalism and is well worth quite a lot of your time to read it. There's a fair bit there to read. There's They've spoken to many, many different manufacturers to get quotes from them, to give them uh, a chance to chance to explain what each of their cars share. And it's it's really good. So do please take the time. If you like Andrew's tinfoil hat approach to life and even my slightly cagey and want to wipe down the press cars uh, approach, then do have a read of this. If you're not of that frame of mind, have a read anyway. Yeah. Because I think it'll be quite illuminating without being overly scary, without being overly... Uh, it's definitely not being... Um, 
uh, alarmist about any of this. <laughs> no, Andrew hasn't written it. Murray has. He's a really nice. Unlike Andrew, he's a really nice person. And so, um, no, but it's written incredibly well, and it explains it whether you. And and I think he's he's hit the trick of if you know a lot about this or you don't. He's. It's written in such a way that everybody will get something out of this, and I, I love the way that he's broken it down in quite simple terms for anybody who isn't aware of how much information or even if you did know just what sort of information companies can take on you anyway whether you happen to have a car or not Mm -hmm. um and but this just happens to be centered around the car so this is this is a really really good article that i i cannot recommend enough for people to read so you are educated and warned don't let them hear me say this, but it's the kind of thing and the kind of way, the kind of thing that Parkers does really well and the kind of writing that they do really well, um, even in all their reviews uh, and and stuff about different cars if you are using them for research, then it's always really nicely written um, so that so that if you don't know much about cars, but you're doing it for research, you'll learn lots. And if you do know about cars, you'll still learn quite a lot. Yep. Yeah, but there's a there's a bonus article mm. for those of you who do want to don your tinfoil hat. This is from the Intercept. I haven't read that and one. This is actually, um, it's just giving a very real world demonstration of what someone can take from your vehicle data wise. And now this is uh, focusing on America, uh, but it's about a company that has uh, got a contract with a federal contract with U.S. Customs and Border Protection where they can download information from your car and you will get an eye-opening view of exactly what they can take from that if they can do that. Whilst it's America, be under no illusion, all Mm -hmm. countries and all security services have this ability and will have contracts with somebody to do this. So this is, whilst this is using an American example, this will happen in all countries. Mm-hmm. One of the things about a car is that it is quite a big thing. So there's lots of space to keep very cheap memory and storage areas and house them in it. So adding stuff like that is doesn't actually take much. And of course, has, you know, fundamentally has has useful diagnostic capabilities um but it also you know the knock-on effect is is greater than that yeah anyway andrew moving on 39 cars that changed the world yes our list of the week i've just told you the name of the list of the week when i meant to sort of come up with some interesting segue and no, that's okay i mean you you've now you've introduced it and there are 40 slides to run through and and they are cracking slides from this autocar list is there a one particular car in this incredible list that stands out to you more than any others? I really struggled. I found one, but I really... Well, I've got several, but I struggled. I, I, well, the trouble is I have several. And several of them I really, really like. I mean, I've, I've just skipped two there. Uh, I am going to say, however, I'm going to, to wimp out and go for the very first one and go for the 1907 Rolls-Royce Silver Ghost for its ability to to just do stuff and work and reliability and all these kind of things and also because the one illustrated is AX201 which is the silver ghost uh, which is a car that I sat in the driving seat of so uh, <laughs> as a as a small child and have since stood beside since so yes my 
personal one of a specific instance of any of the cars here that changed the world is that particular car to which i of which i have a very happy memory so that's my choice from this one okay that's excellent uh, as i said there before though any one of these cars are valid to be plucked out but i'm gonna go for the renault espace from 1984 that even was, though that was my like third choice yeah. i don't like that sort of mpv i think it's was groundbreaking and has changed how uh, we, particularly people who need to transport more than three or four people, what your options are and how mm. how a car can be packaged to do that. And we talked about the Volkswagen ID4 earlier on. Um, it is more MPV than SUV, despite any of the branding or any of the descriptions. It is it is the kind of vehicle that is carrying on the what the espace essentially invented that is a uh, great list hmm. actually it's, it's it's a monster list it's really good there's lots of reading in there there are i can't see something i can't see anything in here where i thought why is that there yeah no not at all not at all like Absolutely. i said we could have picked any of those vehicles and it, it was more than justified to say yeah that mm. one you know I, i've already talked about one of the vehicles that's on the list for the reasons it's on the list as well tonight right take us to the supermarket for our end finally please this is a story that's gone everywhere i think i liked the original tweets when there were about a hundred and something likes yes me too <laughs> I was there before it was cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I see the very first one's now 124.9 thousand likes. This is a link to the BBC News story about a chap called Gareth Wilde. Uh, decided one point uh, a long time ago to make his, his shopping more interesting at his local Sainsbury's by seeing if he could park in every single space in the car park. And he made a spreadsheet for it, and he he so he tried to park in a different space every time, or a space that he hadn't parked in before. Every time it took him about six years to fill it all in, and um, he tweeted about it last week, and then everybody went nuts. Uh, but it also means that he has he has uh, yes he he has a map of god tier useful and avoid parking spaces. Um, depending on what they are. He didn't park in any of the disabled spaces, but he did, uh, as he has small children who were with him on those occasions, used the parent and child parking spaces. Yep. Excellent. So, yes. what, a, what a brilliant Rather good. use of your time, that is. Yes, it went, went amazingly. Um, it just went nuts uh, and went totally viral on Twitter this week. So, so yes, there was another tweet about some of the, some of the, some of the things that had happened when it went viral and things and some of the some of the stuff that, that that happened as a result but yes he's he's got his eyes on the 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 aldi one next i believe i <laughs> know oh, his little little one but or he might just not do it at all <laughs> yeah cracking and finally brilliant and finally um parish notes uh zoom zoomers recorded last night it's out the fully unedited version is on youtube right at the minute or at least it was um 
earlier on as I was having my dinner, not that I was watching it. Link is already in the lower portion of the show notes, so you can click there oh, good. to take you straight it, into it. No, it was it. a good one last night, I and mean, we didn't do many of the things that we normally do, like red, green and stuff, because we ran out of time because we were so busy talking about stuff. So, yes, lots of stuff being talked about. Uh, the other thing is that uh, last Friday's special edition, which seemed to have been very popular, so thank you very much, must be because of the guest, was with uh, Dan Prosser uh, about the Intercooler, um, the new uh, app-based uh, magazine uh, that he and Andrew Frankel uh, have have brought out. Um, it's it's really good. Uh, there's, we explain more about it uh, in the podcast. Uh, Dan Obviously, Intercooler has a podcast as well, so so Dan has a, a fair idea of what he's doing in these situations. And um, yeah, it was really nice to have a chat. Yep, very good. It was a good episode, though. Did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I enjoyed it too. It's, it's shorter than I thought it was, but yeah, I think we covered you everything. Covered, you covered everything. So. So. Yep. Uh, so so do do have a little listen to that, and there's a link in the show notes about how you can get the app. Uh, and other ways to find out more. I think that's us for this week, Andrew. Yep. Cool. So don't forget, everyone, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts of the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer uh, or any of the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to discuss with you perhaps the perfect timing to open a beer when you join a live stream, what is the best way that they can get in touch with you personally? Well, uh, Twitter always works best for me, uh, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.